This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Well, hello there, Frank Proctor, the uh, genial... Hope it's not. Mm. Mm-hmm. What am I? You I, almost said I, host. I, I almost did. I caught myself and I thought, I, I'm yeah. not going to start this get, getting in trouble. Yep. No, I am the sous chef of the garden, the under under gardener. Yes. And uh, here and to keep it help. that way. Thank you. I'm here to help Charlie in any way I can. Uh, I bow and scrape and genuflect. Whenever she walks in the room, I've got a red carpet at home I'm going to bring in for her. Good. Because she's the queen bee, you know? Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, of the garden. And, uh... Oh, of the garden. <laughs> just a slight pause there while I corrected that. Uh, you know, my name, main job here is to give out the phone numbers, which I'm going to do right now. Uh, for those of you in Toronto who want to talk to Charlie and ask any uh, question at all about uh, gardening, whatever, or if you have some tips that you yourself have learned along the uh, garden path, by all means, get it to us, okay? Uh, here in Toronto, 416-360-0740, then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 818 And our mantra, of course, call early, call often, one question per call. And uh, we will have the the sound of chimes rather than my bell. Somebody stole my bell. You keep saying that. You probably lost it. No, uh, it was in my drawer, and and Uh, somebody's gone in there. Oh, well, you need to, like, you know, get a lock on that. Well, I guess I must. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meantime, the wind too, chimes too will have now. to be. Yes. <laughs> Close the barn door after the yeah. worst gets Hey, so yeah. what's going on with the weather, Charlie? Come I on. just wish I could tell you. Well, I, I don't know. people are sick and tired of this stuff. Here we are. Uh, we're almost into May. I, and it's funny, too, because it's just been so cold at night. I mean, this north wind the yeah. last few days. So I keep sort of watching the, the temperatures. And you know how there's the actual temperature and then it's what it, the temperature what feels like. it feels like. like, the wind chill factor. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So, it's, you know, it's been sort of uh, a steady... Uh, five degrees, say, and yeah, at night yeah. it feels like minus five, and during the day Holy it feels cow. like ten, but it's, you know, kind of five. So, yeah, it's been uh, not very pleasant. Well, there's a little convenience store down the, you know, down the block, just one short block, and I went down there the other night to get, I'm almost frozen. I then. know. What the Don't heck? put your winter coat away. No, not at all. Yeah, not it's, at been, all. Uh, it's not been pretty, but it's coming. You okay. know, the, certainly the bulbs, okay, the nice thing about a cool spring, I, I'm going to do the silver lining thing here, I personally dislike it when we go from winter to summer and no spring in between because yeah. there's so many spring flowers and spring flowering trees and shrubs that we just don't get to enjoy because those the flowers don't last once it gets hot. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I, my crocuses are still blooming. All right. This is weeks now. Crocuses are still blooming. Daffodils are you know coming along. There's some in bloom, some in bud. Obviously, tulips haven't shown any color yet, but the hyacinths are peeking out. And I just saw, I saw a couple of lilies, uh, you know, real, just 
sort of coming up, like erupting from the soil wow. uh, okay. the other well. day. So things are progressing slowly. And the good thing is, is that we are, you know, going to have a long or so far we're having a nice long bloom period for the bulbs. Okay, if that's any solace at all. <laughs> yeah, it's the best it I can do. Really, but there's lots going on in the gardening world. Okay, all right. tell so, us all about it. Well, remember, and you love this. You remember this from the past. The Riverdale Horticultural Society is in the last few days of their fabulous worm castings sale. Yes, worm poop. Oh, yeah. boy. Worm poop. Large bags <laughs> weighing about 70 pounds cost only $15. And smaller quantities are available at smaller prices. So for your, if you want to get into this, and it's a fundraiser, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Riverdale Hort Society, but you want to get a hold of some of this worm poop, your order must be placed. By May the 7th, you can send it by email to RHS, so Riverdale yeah. Hort Society, RHS Worm Castings, all one word, RHS Worm Castings at gmail.com, or you can give them a phone call at 416 461 6605 and pick up. We'll be in the Riverdale area on Saturday, May 10th. Wouldn't that be a wonderful present to give someone, say, on their birthday? Or, or for whatever. Mother's Day. Yes. Uh, be- here's a 15-pound bag or a, a, uh, a 100-pound bag. 100-pound bag. Oh. Worm poop. Yeah. It's an amazing <laughs> soil amendment. And at, once a year, Riverdale makes it available to knowledgeable gardeners at a very yeah. reasonable All price. All kidding aside, it's great stuff for the garden. That's <clears throat> right. It's great for the stuff. For the, it's great stuff for the garden. All right. Uh, the Georgetown Hort Society is having a plant sale on Friday, May the 9th. That's 6 p.m. at the Gellert Center in Georgetown. So that's quite a big event that Friday night, May 9th. There's lots of plants for sale. There's It's cash or check only, but there's also a special silent auction with a great variety of items that have all been donated by the local community. There's over 50 donors from the Georgetown community. So that's going to be, you know, put that on your calendar, Friday, March the 9th, starting at 6 p.m. Plants, silent auction. Um... Um, next ones are May 14th, so we'll hold on those. But just so you know, Burlington Hort Society and, again, Riverdale Hort Society are doing things on May 14th. So just mark those on your calendar. We'll give you some details later. Um, and do I have a minute just to uh, answer an email, do you think? Well, it's your show. Oh, thank you. Okay, good point. So <laughs> Anne asks via email, how to cut back an overgrown hydrangea. She says, I believe it's an Annabelle. It's about 10 feet tall, and we'd like to get it down to more compact size, like maybe 6 feet. Can we just cut off the 4 feet? Uh, we'd also like to thin it out. Do we cut out some of the oldest stems? I don't think that's a, a hydrangea. Hydrangeas don't typically go to 10 feet tall. I wouldn't be surprised if it's... There's two plants that we call snowball plants or shrubs. One is a viburnum, which gets white snowball-type flowers mm-hmm. in the spring. The other is hydrangea, which gets a white snowball-type flower midsummer. And I have a feeling that Anne might have a viburnum. She doesn't indicate when this flowers, but the viburnum certainly will get to 10 feet tall. There's no question. How, so how do you get it down? Yes, indeed, you get out there and, well, if it, isn't, if it is a viburnum, I wouldn't trim it now. I'd wait till it flowers and then do whatever trimming you want. Bring it, take several feet off if you want to after it flowers. If it's a hydrangea, do it now. Cut it right to whatever level you want it. Uh, typically, I take my hydrangeas right down to being only a few inches tall to the to green buds. So the main thing is identify what it is yeah. before you do anything. That's right. So if it helps, in again, send in a photograph, and uh, I can identify through a photo whether it's a hydrangea or a viburnum. 
Good stuff. Okay, okay. we've got to scoot along because we have callers waiting online mm-hmm. ready to talk to you, and we'll be back to them in just a couple of moments. Meantime, mm-hmm. we always get the show started with a little bit of exercise, not overdoing it. Oh, that's just, a great yeah, idea. a little bit of exercise. Get so here I go with my arms up and down. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I swear I have to stand I've got, back. I've got dumbbells. Well, <laughs> I don't have to pretend. That was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why is he doing what he's doing? Because uh, Frank likes an active lifestyle. He likes to go kickboxing and golfing and walking to the corner <laughs> store, and all those things require you to be doing as pain-free as possible. Exactly. Sierra Sil is this magical mineral supplement which somehow greases the joints and eliminates any aches and pains for both of us because we both take it on a daily basis. If you're achy, having trouble moving around, consider Sierra Sil as something that may help you. You you will know in 14 days whether it's working for you or not, and that's where the number comes in. one joint 14 Check them on the web, sierrasil.ca. You can also pick up Sierra Sil at many of the health food stores out there, including Nature's Source, with five different store locations all around southern Ontario. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's welcome to the show, Charlie, someone calling in from Waterloo named... Eleanor. Hi, Eleanor. Good morning. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Charlie, I have a problem with a fantasy maple. Oh, what's the problem? Well, the the maple is five years old, Mm -hmm. and this is the first year this has ever happened. On the trunk of the maple, there's like a green, dusty mold. Now, it's not ground level, and it's not under the arms of the tree. It's just in the center of the trunk, Mm -hmm. and we don't know what to do with it. The tree is budding. Oh, yeah. You know what? That green, fuzzy stuff, ignore it. Pardon? Ignore it. It's not a problem. Just ignore it? Yep. It's called lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N. L-I-C-H-A-E-N. No, just E-N, lichen, mm-hmm. L-I-C-H-E-N. It is growing on the outside of the tree, on mm-hmm. the bark. It is a color. As you can see, it's green, and sometimes that'll turn gray. Other times it'll turn yellow. Bottom line is it's not hurting the tree at all. Oh, so just ignore it. Yep. Oh, I was I, I was going to go out with warm water and vinegar and try to wash it off. I thought a scrub brush. I know. I thought you were going to say that. But a fantasy maple is a lovely tree. So oh, it, good for it's you. Five years old and it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, good for you. I hope you've got a lot of room for it to grow big because it wants to get really big eventually. It's right in the center of the yard, and uh, we have feeders in there, and we're. Multitude of birds. Excellent. It's a gorgeous it's a, tree. Oh, good and for you. And that's why we were so concerned about it. Mm-hmm. This is the first year we've ever seen this on the tree. Yeah, it's just, it's very natural and normal. Not a problem. Thank you very much for your help, and have a wonderful day. Thank, Thank you, you, Eleanor. Thanks for your call. Okay, you keep in touch with us now. Call anytime. Yeah, All right. Right. You betcha. Uh, now, Betty in Richmond Hill has a, a question, or maybe it could be even... A comment. You never know. Never know. Let's find out. Hey, Betty, good morning. <laughs> Hello, good, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm just wondering about, I know it's been a really bad winter, um, the climbing roses. Mm-hmm. 
Is it too soon to cut them back, cut the dead off? That's mm-hmm, a good question. Uh, what, how I figure out the best time to get into my roses is based on two things. One is I've done a bunch of my other yard chores and I get to my roses. Mm-hmm. But number two, you will see if you look at the, the canes, mm-hmm. there's the, all that brown and black on the ends of the canes where it's dead. Right. And then as you follow down the canes, you'll start getting towards the green and more shiny bark. Uh And the buds will start to swell. And there'll be little red protruding buds off the canes. And it's at that point on a nice, dry, sunny day that you get out your sharp pruners and go crazy on your roses. Oh, it just seems that there's an awful lot of dead this year. I wouldn't be surprised. It's, uh, it was that kind of a winter, wasn't it? Well, it was, that's true. And it's on the south wall, which, you know, is very Mm. warm usually. But um, I just thought it seems an awful lot to cut off yeah well don't worry about it you just keep cutting till you're down to live wood but of course you're not going to do it today because today is just too (laughs) gray and cold but tomorrow i think it's going to be lovely so is monday Uh, and i'm certainly planning to get out into my garden and i've got roses roses Um, that need help just like yours and just cut them right you know cut what you have to cut off to get to live wood on your roses okay thanks very much have a good day thanks betty bye-bye bye-bye now uh, we have a first-time caller on the line. We'll get to in just moments, Charlie. Do you, do you want to add something One else? thing I just wanted yes. to say. You look like you're priming to say something <laughs> yes. here, I guess. For anybody out there with roses, like Betty, who just mm. called, when we're out there doing that big pruning job, yeah. because there's lots of, lots of dead wood to take off the roses, when we're taking all that dead wood off, make sure you are fertilizing. Roses need to be fed in the spring. When we cut is a perfect time to do it. Best fertilizer to use? Hmm. Whatever you've got in the garage, no. <laughs> I, I do like a rose food. I personally like to use a granular rose food because that's what, like, a, you put that on, on the surface of the soil, scratch it in a bit, uh, and it's good for four to six weeks. Some people like to use a water-soluble fertilizer, so they'll get, use a rose food, mix it up in the watering can, and water. But if you are going the water-soluble route, yeah, the yeah. watering route, mm-hmm. you'll need to re-fertilize every three to four weeks. Whereas if you go the granular route, you're good for six weeks. Oh. Okay, well, I'm glad I asked the question. Yes, thanks for There asking. you go. Maybe solve some uh, problems there. Well, now, we're going to continue along with our callers. Uh, and as I mentioned, the first-time caller coming up right after these words here on AM740 is Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hey, no, Charlie, just before we get to uh, our gentleman from Mississauga, uh, I meant to mention uh, this morning that James Patrick Dooley is in the control room, yes. but he's training uh, a new operator, <laughs> Damien Murray, and uh, it was, it's funny what happens sometimes when you answer the phones and and uh, you take down a message, but you think you hear, and it's like so we've got a little note. <laughs> we got a little note here uh, saying Chuck well, we'll uh, is our seething long. Well, we'll see it, what Chuck's calling I, about. I, I bet you. I bet you. Well. 
I already bet you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> too late. You did. But I can, if, if it is seething lawn, it's uh, you know, you can just imagine a bunch of blades of grass. I'm just so seething, man. It's because it's so cold. Yeah. Well, let's welcome welcome Chuck to the line. Hey, Chuck, uh, your first time caller, call, right? Yes, I am. All right, here uh, come the chimes. There you go. Welcome to the show. Beautiful. Thank you very much. I listen to the show all the time and. It's been very informative over the years I've been listening. No, thank you. Great. Uh, my problem is I want to seed the lawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to put down new lawn seeds, okay. new grass seeds. Great idea. Cause this now, is during the... the week I listen to you because I'm addicted to AM 740. Mm-hmm. And I hear your various broadcasts and I heard you talking about the dilemma of your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to be sure I get the procedure right. Okay. Have you fertilized yet? I've done nothing as yet because I thought it was too cold and mm-hmm. the lawn was too soft. Well, you're, yes, you're trying to stay off your lawn still. Yes. Okay, yes. good. I will tell you that um, at my house yesterday, I had my lawn aerated. And that is, uh, actually, I, I get young university students, they use a machine called a core aerator, and they run it over the lawn, and it pulls plugs of soil and grass, you know, actual lawn, right up out of the ground. And that, in my clay soil, is an excellent idea because it allows m- moisture and fertilizer and everything to penetrate better because the lawn tends to be walked on a lot, and it gets very compacted, and aeration is always one of the first best steps you can do as a lawn care um, component in the spring. Well, that's exactly what I was planning. <laughs> Good. Excellent. And you can rent an aerator from, you know, Stevenson's yes. Rental or Home yes. Depot. Yes. Bring it to your place, do it, share it amongst the neighbors, get everybody to pitch in, or you can hire a lawn care company to do that for you. I would do that first before yes. you do anything. Then the question is, um, you're wanting to o- top seed, so you're going to over, you're going to overseed and top dress. That means you're going to aerate first, then you're going to sprinkle some either topsoil or triple mix or lawn soil of one kind or another on top of the soil. <clears throat> might be as much as half an inch. You're going to be leveling your soil when you're doing that because, you know, we get all those bumps and, and hills in our lawns. So you're going to rake it all as level as you can. And Again, this is after it's been aerated, so it's all bumpy from all the, the core um, bits of soil that are up on the surface as well. So you're going to do a raking and all that little nice soil on top. Then you're going to go out with a grass seed. You're going to get a good quality grass seed. Depending on whether it's a sunny lawn or a shady lawn, you'll choose a grass seed that's going to grow in the kind of uh, world you're trying to grow the grass in. All grass seed grows in in the sun, but not all grass seed grows in the shade. So that's why it's important to get the right, you know, the right sort of um, variety, but also a quality. Grass seed, there's a big difference in the qualities of bags of grass seed. So don't go cheap when you're buying grass seed. Uh, Broadcast, like you're feeding the chickens, you know, it's one of those broadcast the seed. Mm -hmm. Do it when it's not windy. It's a lot more effective. Get your rake back out, a light raking, because the birds will sometimes take the grass seed away. So you want to just very lightly cover the seed and then pray for rain or get ready to keep that lawn moist until the grass seed sprouts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now <clears throat> what about the, the thing is, more than half of my lawn was destroyed the last season between the grubs and the raccoons. Mm-hmm. And uh, should I, I, I want to put something to take care of the grubs and, and the mm-hmm. weeds. And I heard you talk about the seed with 
corn in it, is it? Corn gluten. That's actually fertilizer with corn gluten. Yeah. Oh, it's a fertilizer with corn gluten. Yeah. Now, uh, can I use that at some stage after? Well, okay, so these, these are good questions, but it is all based on exactly what is you're dealing with. Now, you're, indi- you're indicating that your lawn's in pretty rough shape. Very beca- rough. Because of the grub damage in the past. Yes. Are you finding that there's raccoons and birds all uh, wreaking havoc on your lawn right now at this time of year? I haven't noticed anything as yet this year. Okay. It, the grubs are come are very quick to come up to the surface. They're very clever. They know the sun is out up here. <laughs> so they've been you know coming up through the soil. They did spend the winter down deep below the frost line. They're all coming up to eat, start chewing on the grass, uh, the roots Oof. of the grass. Yeah, yeah. So what we... There's absolutely nothing you can do to kill grubs right now. Honestly, they're not eating that much now. They did far more eating in the fall than they will now. And the raccoons and the birds and the skunks are just poised and ready to rip your lawn apart to get those grubs anyway. There's no control. It's sit back and let it happen. So if you suspect that this is something that's going to happen to you, I would still do the aerating. I'd still do the the raking, the top dressing we talked about, uh, and see what happens. I mean, if the raccoons start ripping your lawn apart, then you're going to wait to do your seeding later. Uh, But what you could do is use that corn gluten and fertilizer blend that you heard me talk about earlier this week on the radio because that will stop the weed seeds from germinating. And meanwhile, because the corn gluten um, inhibits the germination of all seeds. So that's why you wouldn't put grass seed down if you're putting the the corn gluten down. Right. Right. I I, I can't put the seed down until six weeks after the corn gluten. That's right. So if you're going to use the corn gluten now, it will control crabgrass seeds from growing. It'll control any dandelion seeds that might be in your soil. And the fertilizer will feed your existing lawn. So that's okay. all good, okay. and, and that way, and, but hold back on putting any grass seed down, particularly if you think that grubs are there and it's all your lawn's going to get all dug up anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very I much, a, Chuck. I have a plan oh. to work with now. Okay, good. <laughs> and Chuck, and put on your calendar for uh, August, early to mid-August, nematodes. 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 That's how you're going to control grubs in the future. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thanks for your call, Chuck. Thanks, Thank you Chuck. very much. Yeah, call again. Okay. And, and Frank's going to fill us in on nematodes when we get closer to Wait, the dates. Exactly, because I am the nematode expert. Yes, you are. Well, I, I or know you a bit like about them. To think you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Norm in Georgetown is on the line. Good morning, Norm. Good morning. Morning. How are you this morning? Excellent. I've got a, quite a number of patches of creeping Charlie in the lawn. Mm. How is the best way to get rid of it? On your hands and knees with a weeder. That's what I thought you would tell me. Yeah. You become a creeping ch- a norm. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> you creep yeah. around and get rid of the creeping Charlie. I find, you know, a bottle of wine, a good uh, <laughs> bushel basket, a, a tool that's really, you know, and this is a perfect time because soil is nice and moist uh, and you can, you know, you've got to get like a screwdriver or a weeding tool to loosen those roots. You've got to get those roots out. It's a very uh, tedious job. Then, that's it what you're is. Me. It is. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing you can do is use um, there. It, there are some like weed be gone mm-hmm. kind of herbicides out there. Yeah. Some of them are designed to kill what they call broadleafed weeds in our lawns. Yeah. Scotts makes that one that's called weed be gone, and that is based on an, a very high dose of iron. And when you spray, it's 
what is supposed to happen, and it sometimes works, is that the broadleaf plant will absorb that iron and it will, it will die as a result of absorbing so much iron, whereas the grass plants are much smarter and they don't absorb so much iron and they don't suffer. So it is worth a try. You will have to spray more than once. And if you're going to be effective, it's going to be in the spring that you're effective, not in July and August. Okay. That's a selective herbicide. Yeah. Then there's the non-selective herbicides, which are vinegar-based. So it's the acetic acid. You'll smell the vinegar or the lemon mm-hmm. juice. That will, will work again, but it will kill everything. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah. So if okay. you're spraying um, the Creeping Charlie, you're the- very careful. Uh, raking it out is still the best way then, eh? Yes, if you make sure you get those roots. Yeah, okay. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks for your call. Thanks, Norm. All the very best. And uh, that clears the line, so let me give you the phone numbers one more time. In Toronto uh, and area, call 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be talking to Charlie Dobbin, who is... Uh, a master gardener, and uh, she is here every uh, Saturday morning from mm-hmm. 9 through till 10. And we're, we're uh, just cooking along here. Sous chef of the garden. Yes, I am the sous chef, Frank Proctor. Mm. John in Mississauga, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Good morning, John. Um, the problem this time is not fruit trees, but uh, my shrubs. <laughs> uh-huh, what's going on? Um, I don't know whether... Uh, I always spray Charlie with uh, dormant oil and lime sulfur. Yes. Especially the Euonymus, um, uh, the, 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 all, all of them, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed this year is that I, there's a lot of uh, yellowing or, uh, you know, dry spots. Is that my fault or is it the weather? Is it the sun that we had? Because I read on the, on mm-hmm. the paper that uh, the sun had a little bit to do with it, yeah. too. Yeah. Now, explain to me, child, what <laughs> I did. Okay, well, when you're using lime sulfur and dormant spray in general, always read the the directions because it's very specific about some plants are not recommended Mm -hmm. uh, for the spray. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's something to just be aware of. But you're absolutely right. This year we're seeing a lot of evergreens with yellow or brown or rust in their needles or Uh on their leaves, particularly on the south and west side of the plants. And that's because the ground was frozen for so long, the plants were not able to absorb any moisture from the frozen earth. Meanwhile, the sun and the wind was beating down on them. Mm -hmm. Not that much, but on occasion, the sun was beating down. And that dehydrated or desiccated those leaves or needles on those plants. And this was an unusual winter in the sense that we had frozen soil for such a long period. We are seeing a lot of desiccation damage. Mm -hmm. So it's not you. What you'll do, and what I think you'll find most of these plants will do, is once the ground thaws and they're able to get the moisture in and the new growth starts, the new growth will outgrow that bronze or rust or yellow growth. So it's not in gloss. It's not lost yet. No. Uh, the uh, the uh, other thing I is... fertilize the... Because I like the, to sh- fertilize yes, the shrubs anyhow. Everything should be fertilized. Every single plant in our gardens should be fertilized okay. in the next few weeks. It's okay. a spring. Everybody gets uh, some food. Yeah. And and that you're right. That will help with that burst of growth. That will support it. Uh-huh. You, you don't have to do it today. It's still a little early yeah, this yeah, year. Okay. <laughs> and normally, we would be fertilizing now, but you've got time. You've got the next you know two weeks anyway to fertilize every single plant in your garden. And yeah, be ready. You might you'll be trim, trimming out some of the yellow. You may be shearing uh, some of that rusty stuff I'm talking about. As the new growth comes, it will all be covered. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if I may, if I may add a little bit, uh, Charlie, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did, uh, I think, day before yesterday, I took the hose and put it on really high, sort of, and, and, and really sprayed the shrubs, you know what I mean, like really water them on, on the leaves, not sure. at the bottom. Yeah, that's uh, right. Will that help? It might. Uh-huh. It might. It certainly cleans them off. I mean, when you look at how dirty the snow was at the end uh-huh. of the year, that's how the plants are feeling. Uh-huh. So it's just like the rain is, is freshening and cleaning things up. That, that's exactly what you were doing. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, All John. the best to both of you. Thank, Thank you, you very John. much. Bye-bye. Take care. Have a great weekend. Here we are broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village and everybody on this really, Saturday morning. I know what everybody wants to get out gardening, eh? Well, Can darn you hear right, them? Yeah. I yeah, do, too. I'm, like, champing at the bit here. It's like, <laughs> you know, out there, like, sharpening my tools and, you know, oiling my wheelbarrow. and just like, you know, i got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and the race is about to begin. I, well, yeah. Well, there's so much to do in you want to do it, but it's just cold and yeah. ugly. <laughs> well, I'm going to give a little job here to uh, Damien. Uh, get those uh, chimes ready and let them roll. Here they come, the chimes. Ta-da, ta-da. Oh, here we go. There they are. Those chimes are for Rosemary, first-time caller from Fort Erie. Hi, Rosemary. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Enjoy your show. Um, I've, I've listened to you twice, and I'm not sure if I'm confused about my hydrangea, my pink hydrangeas. Uh-huh. They're on the southwest of my home, and I now have beautiful green bushes, uh-huh. no flower. How long have those hydrangeas been there? Oh, six years, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. And do you have any idea what variety they might have been? Unfortunately, made? I don't. So they those I don't. Pink. The two beasts that I, the three of them I bought all at once. Mm-hmm. One's blue, one's pink, and the one pink one that's more southwest than anything, it has no flowers, and it used to have flowers. Right. Whereas, and now I have a beautiful green bush. Yeah. And the blue one, or is continuing to yes, uh, and the other pink one, and they're more In to the, the west. Oh, it's more to the west. Okay. Because I was mm-hmm. going to say, and so they're getting a little more shade, perhaps. Yes. That's the trick. Hydrangeas, I find, are a little bit, what's the word, inconsistent, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened was the, the snowball-type hydrangeas, this, so it's a round flower. It can be pink. It can be blue. It can be purple. It very much depends on the pH of your soil. Typically blooms early to mid-July. Mm-hmm. Back you know, way back, all the hydrangeas that were available for sale that were of that variety were plants that would only put, okay, what they would do is they they would put out their flowers in July and mm-hmm. they'd finish flowering and then the new flower buds for the next year would grow through August and September. Yes, I knew that. And then the snow would fall and the winter would come and so often all that new growth on that hydrangea would die back in the winter that come spring we had to cut them right down to take away all that dead stuff and then they'd grow up again but there'd be no flowers because the flower buds got killed off in the winter. Right. Then they invented a hydrangea called Endless Summer. Mm-hmm. And it all started with the first one called Endless Summer. Now there's, you know, gosh, 20 of them, different varieties out there that bloom on both new growth and old old growth. Okay. Theoretically. And yet I still find those Endless Summer varieties can be quite inconsistent. The one thing I can say is hydrangea loves water. That's where that hydra comes from. And sometimes when the hydrangeas are in really hot, sunny spots, I find mm-hmm. that they do not flower. They tend to shut down their flowering and grow a lot of green green growth. Well, I'd say, you know, this, we have also have a huge big tree there, so mm-hmm. they get more shade than sun. Oh, okay. 
and so yeah, so they're very they can be very happy green plants, and you'll get a year where they're fat green plants, and then a year where there's tons of flowers, and then the next right. year they're green again. So there's that up down cycling happening with those as well. So I I can't I can't give you a definitive. I can say if you're going to fertilize, make sure it's with a flowering plant fertilizer. Okay. Remember keep the keep the water on them, keep them moist. Uh, do your trimming. You're going to have to trim them down this spring, of course. So now how far should I take them? Because I never have trimmed them much because I knew the new growth was on them. Right. See, I well, you're going to definitely take out anything dead. So you're going to mm-hmm. know it's dead because it's going to be black and brown yep. and shriveled. I take that out, yeah. So if that is two or three inches across the entire shrub, so it goes. But if it's, you know, some, you know, you're way down to the ground on some uh, branches and then you're, you know, way mm-hmm. up on others – Come up with a happy medium there. I I typically want the plant to have a good shape as it grows. So I'll make the whole plant maybe four inches tall when I'm finished trimming. Now, I noticed the other day when I was out there, it's starting to get little tiny green leaves Mm -hmm. coming out, Mm -hmm. but they're not on the stems. They're right down at the base of it. And that's what tells you where to trim. If there's no green buds showing on the stems, then take all the stems right down to ground level. Okay. 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 Yeah, that's just look at the stems and uh, judge accordingly. That's exactly right. And so we all are going to be looking at our gardens this year and seeing what's alive and what's dead. And we're anticipating more death than normal. The plant will survive probably because the root will survive, but everything above ground will have to be cut off. But if I'm having green bushes all the time, I remember you saying just take it out and put a new one in. Yeah, that- give up on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I-, I want flowers. <laughs> yes, I agree. You don't want to give a whole bunch of room to a plant that's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous, but no flowers. Yeah. So, well, that's it. So you okay. get rid of it. If you give it one more year, and if it's not making you happy, then dig it up and replace. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for your okay, call. Okay. Thank you, uh, Rosemary. Bye. You're listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. And from Thornhill, we welcome Rob to the line. Hi, good morning, Rob. Good morning. Um, I have irises at the front of the yard, and they've never, they look okay, but uh, I've got now a lot of sun because of the storm at the backyard. Uh Now, can I move my irises now? Uh, you can. It wouldn't be the best time to uh, move them. Typically, what kind of, um, are they bearded irises? Or? Yeah, they're bearded. Okay. I found them, I found them um, at an abandoned house about oh, five years ago. Nice. I, the best time to move irises is in August. Okay, now the tubers, or whatever you call them, yeah. they're, uh, they've moved up, so they're really exposed. Yep. So if I'm going to move them into the fall, should I put soil now on them? No, you, they're actually called rhizomes. You okay. want to see those. Those should be sitting right at the surface of the soil. Yeah, that's what they are. And you want them in a hot, sunny location? No, this is in the shady location at the front of the house. All right, then maybe you should move them. Because okay, you'll, you'll get way better flowering. And that's the other thing. Irises need to be lifted and separated and fiddled with uh, every three years in order to maximize your flowering. They get, they get so dense that they just you get a lot of green leaves and no flowers if you're not lifting, separating, sharing with your friends. Okay, then I'll move them right now. Thank you. Okay. Oh, Thanks okay. for your call, Rob. Thank you, okay. Rob. And we have to take a little bit of a break here and go right back to uh, Charlie and her answers to your questions here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. And this is the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, bidding you welcome to talk to Charlie. 
She's uh, right beside me here, yep. with a big smile on her face, and that's for Mary in Brampton especially. Hello, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about marigolds. Mm-hmm. I plant them every season, and I, they get eaten. I think I know what they are, but how do I get rid of them? Hmm. So you buy the marigolds or you start them from seed? No, no, dear. I buy them. And they get all chewed up. You know who's probably eating them? Well, first of all, are you planting them in full sun? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. What I find, the insect that eats the most on my marigolds are the earwigs. Mm. And I don't know why, because nobody's supposed to eat marigolds. Like, they're not tasty. Yeah, it's funny. One season, nothing bothered them, and they were glorious. Yeah. Every other season, they've, they've, been, they've been made a male of. Yeah. Now, what happens is it's early in the season when the plants are small and they're at their most tender and they're most vulnerable that it's, if it's a very rainy spring, the slugs will come out and eat them. And certainly the earwigs will emerge and start chewing on them. So it's really just a question of trying to protect those little marigolds for the first even, you know, three, four weeks of their life outside in your garden so that they can get big enough and then... If an insect comes along and takes a bite, it's no big deal. They mm-hmm. don't decimate the plants. So your best control to protect them, I mean, there, um, there's obviously slug and snail bait yeah. that we use to, you know, stomach poison for them, which is not poisonous to anything else. Um, earwigs are a little trickier how we control those. Isn't that a rubber hose sometimes yeah, used to the trap little, them? Yeah, you make a little hotel for them. But the trick is, is that when they're in their hotel, you want to annihilate them. You don't want to let them just sleep in the hotel and... <laughs> Get up and go out and chow down at night. Yeah, well, they seem to love the flowers. Yeah, and they will do all their eating at night. And that's why when you see damage to the marigolds, but you don't see anything doing the damage, go out there with a flashlight at night. And I think you'll find it is earwigs doing that. Oh, dear. Um, but, but like Frank said, an empty piece of hose or, or something that they'll climb into as soon as the sun comes up because they don't like being in the light. Okay. And then once they're in that little piece of hose... And you dump them in a bucket of water. Exactly. A bucket of water with yeah. a drop of oil in it, and they'll just drown. Okay. <laughs> you have to get out there every morning and empty the hose, though. Okay. How, how often do I put them? Uh, you'll lay the hose out there every single day and night, and every morning you got to check it and empty it. Okay. Okay, okay thanks a lot. All okay. Right, Thank you, Mary. Well, we've had a lot of gentlemen calling in, and here's another one uh, from Etobicoke this time around. David, good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, this is just a quick piece of advice for people who are having their lawn dug up by the, our friendly raccoons. Uh-huh. I laid chicken wire down over it. Oh, yeah. And they won't go near it. They won't try and dig through that, will they? No, and uh, then if you, like, if you turned your sod over and tamp it down... Mm-hmm. Always seed through the chicken wire. Right. Exactly. Good idea. Now, the birds, of course, they'll, the starlings, etc., they'll still go for the grubs through the chicken wire. Yeah, well, if you, like, I put a bit of soil over the, over the seed I put down, uh-huh. and the birds are not going near it. Oh, perfect. Good idea. So, chicken wire laid on the surface of the soil, and then you, you raise that up later, or you just end up leaving it there? No, no. You take it down after the, the seed, after the, mm. the sod is taken. Mm-hmm. And like I leave it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, good idea. And then so, before you need to cut very much, you know, you let it grow a little extra. Sure. You know, the cut wire. it more. Okay, good yeah, idea. That's a good idea, David. Yeah. Right, there you go. Thank you, David. It worked for I'm, me, so it could for other people. That's a good okay. idea. Well, yeah, that's right. If you've got areas that are just consistently being dug up 
Because that's where the grubs yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. The chicken wire is a good barrier to stop the raccoons from just wreaking havoc. Because yeah, they yeah. will re- every night yeah, dig it up. They don't like it. <laughs> every day you'll lay it down. Every night <laughs> you'll dig it up. Dig it up. No, yeah. I, I just left it down. I just. Well, that's why put, the chicken wire uh, yeah, works. Good idea. Ten pegs down just to hold it down. Yep, good idea. Thanks, thanks David. For, thanks for passing that along, David. And speaking of passing it along, I'm going to throw it back to the boys in control room here because we have to take another little bit of a break here and come back and have a chat with Colleen right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, Charlie Dobbin, we're all set to hide off to Stainer, Ontario. Lovely, lovely, lovely town. Spot. And there's Colleen. Good morning, Colleen. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks morning. for taking my call. Our pleasure. Thank you. Um, actually, I'm calling for my husband. He's a little shy and doesn't hear great. Mm-hmm. He wants to know when's the best time to plant grass seed or to um, hmm. put the grass seed down. Uh where you are, it's obviously a little cooler than where we are. It is. Uh, I have the grass seed will optimally grow when temperatures are ten degrees Celsius and above, like between ten and sixteen, seventeen degrees consistently. Okay. So you could put grass seed down now, but it's not going to grow yet. Right. If it's a level area where you're seeding, though, it, the grass seed will just sit there and wait until conditions are right. If it it's won't, a, it won't rot if there's no, too much no, uh, rain or anything. No, I mean unless it's a really low area that tends to be no. a spot that collects a lot of water. Or a steep hill where the seed is likely to wash down. Okay. Those I would hold back. But if it's a level, you know, reasonably well-drained area, you can mm-hmm. seed any time. But just don't expect to see any growth until we've got some t- warmer temperatures with some consistency. Which we hope will be soon. Soon. We really <laughs> <Yeah>. hope, yes. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Thanks so much for your call. Have thank nice you. Day. Okay, Colleen. Uh, hopefully that'll take care of that. Yeah. Now, uh, yes. Barbara in St. Catharines, do we have to? Yes, we do. We have time to uh, get to that call. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning to both of you. Morning. I'm sorry, uh, Charlie, I didn't hear the full um, information about the corn lutein. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how well it actually works for crabgrass. Okay, so the thing you need to understand about crabgrass is that crabgrass is an annual plant. Right. So every winter, all the crabgrass that is anywhere in our gardens or parks or anywhere, it dies. But before the plant dies, it sets seed, and it actually projectile uh, sends out those seeds. Right. And any one crabgrass plant can actually create up to 60,000 seeds. Wow. Okay. It's a lot of seeds from one plant. Mm-hmm. So, so now we look, we don't see any crabgrass. We see bare earth where there was crabgrass last year. And believe it or not, there's thousands of seeds there all ready to grow. Mm-hmm. The corn gluten is a byproduct of the corn um, milling industry. Mm-hmm. And they discovered that there's something in corn gluten that doesn't allow seeds to grow, to germinate. I see. So you can buy corn gluten just plain, or you can buy corn gluten mixed with fertilizer, and it is now that you would put it out into your lawns or gardens or wherever you suspect there's seeds of weeds that you do not want to have come up. Mm -hmm. And you would follow the directions in terms of the application amount and know that no seeds are going to grow there for at least six weeks. 
So the crabgrass seeds won't grow, the dandelion seeds won't grow, but either will any of your turf grass seeds if you wanted to do some overseeding. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. I see. Okay. Well, um, my neighbor was complaining last year, mm-hmm. and any information I was researching in our Niagara region, they mm-hmm. were very negative on it. So, um, I, You know what? It, it, you do have to <coughs> excuse me, put it on <clears throat> fairly thick. They said in March, but we couldn't do it this March. <coughs> no, that's right. And last year, March probably would have been the right time. <clears throat> it's all about the forsythia. When the, the yellow forsythia starts to bloom... Right. Your crabgrass seeds are starting to germinate. Okay, because that's happening right now in my garden. Oh, there you go. Uh, so course, if you were putting corn gluten on, you've got to be doing it right now. St. Yes, Catharines. Well, I'm going yeah. to react uh, to it um, immediately. Very good. Okay, St. Catharines Garden City. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's that, uh, thanks, Barbara. You know, Florida North or something. I don't know. It's like really <laughs> warm there. <laughs> well, yeah, about four or five degrees at least warmer than I here know. in Toronto and much, of course, well, warmer than, than... Than Stainer. Yeah, right? Oh, my Colleen, gosh. You know, calling from Stainer. She's yeah. probably still got serious, some snow on her ground. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Frank. Well, thank you, Charlie. And uh, thanks to the boys yeah, in the control room thanks, there. Thanks, James and Damien. Couldn't do it without them and certainly couldn't do it with all our great callers. And you, of course, are here late for a little bit more this afternoon. I will be coming back at 2.30. Okay. And uh, uh, Grants International uh, oh. will be on the air. And then uh, we'll have music and lots of fun between 3.30 and 5. Oh, good for you. So there you go. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. And get outside tomorrow if you can. It's going to be gorgeous. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.